he came back out and he was straight faced. He said to me, I've only one piece of advice for you. I said, what? He mm. said, shut it down. Wow. Shut down the business. Right. right. And I couldn't believe it. Okay. I said, what? Yeah. He yeah. said, you can either shut it down now mm. and you'll have some money to, to do what needs to be done during a shutdown process. Right. Right. Or you can wait till Christmas and you'll be going out of business anyway. And it'll be a lot more painful for you. Good God. I was gobsmacked. The Guardian Irish Business Podcast is a tour around the entrepreneurial industry here in Dublin and across the country. We have the great privilege here at Guardian of working with some of the most inspiring and influential small businesses in Ireland and the people that run them who are forming and shaping the future of many different sectors of the Irish economy. I thought it would be interesting to chat to and learn from these people, which we do every day, but memorialize it in a podcast which could then be shared with our friends and clients and you, the listener. Today, I'm delighted to have a man who's been involved in the Irish IT industry for the last 40 years. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Murray. Bob, good morning. Good morning, Colin. Lovely to meet you again. Absolutely, and welcome. Thank you. So, Bob, take us back to the start. 40 years in the IT industry. It's a long time, Colin, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I suppose I should kick off by saying 40 years. The IT industry is a young man's game, so I started out when I was five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case yeah. people think I'm not as old as I am. Yeah. Um, how far back? Do you want me to go back to uh, coming out of college? Well, coming out of college, Bob, and what did you, you, even the fact there you said you went to college, right? Yeah. Which yeah. wasn't for everybody 40 years ago. It wasn't, um, but I, I got good insight into a college that we live near, which trained radio officers, believe it or not, for ships. Every ship at the time needed to have a radio officer in right. case a ship started sinking. The radio officer is responsible for sending distress signals and things like that. But they're also responsible for keeping all the equipment on the ship operational, okay. the electrical equipment. Right. So the training I got as a radio officer introduced me to strategies for maintaining electrical equipment right. in good functional order. Okay. Um, and it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was a course that took four years in Kevin Street, but there was a college in Leeson Park that did it in two years. Right. It was run by two. Well, at the time I was twenty, I called them Alfellas, but okay. they're probably <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an Alfella yet, but right. they were probably younger than I am now. Yeah. Um, they they pushed really really hard, and they got the course done in two years. Right. But by God. So did you go to Kevin Street or Leeson Park? Uh, Leeson Park. Okay. And um, one of the things that a radio officer can't do, obviously, mm. is crack under pressure. Right. Okay. Because right. the ship is sinking. There's okay. a lot of pressure involved. Yeah. But the radio officer has to be able to continue sending the distress signals. Right. And think clearly under pressure. So, Bob, what was that degree or, or course called? It was, um, oh, there was a big convoluted name on a column, a yeah. marine something or other license okay. to operate as a radio officer right. in right. the marine industry. Okay. Um, but the aspect of not cracking under pressure became very important later in on. later years. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was good training and I really enjoyed it. Right. Uh, so I went on from that to study radar in Kevin Street, right. which is f further grounding electronics. And then I went on and did a course on computers, computer processing. Okay. In Kevin Street as well. That was run by, um, I think they're called Anko at the time or okay. Manpower. Yes. Uh, yeah. Up in Parnell 
Streeters yeah. or Square, near the Square, yeah. Parnell yeah. Street. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was very interesting as well. But yeah. from that, then we we got we tried to get work placement okay. with, with computer companies. Right. And where did you end up for your very first job? Um, I ended up working for a great American computer company called Wang. Okay. W A N G. Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. They were big in office automa- automation. Yes. Uh, back in those days. I would have been in digital computers about that time were you? as well. Yeah. Because yeah. it's funny, so. uh, and you might be able to reaffirm this. Um, the people who started in Wang and the people who worked in digital and the people who worked in IBM kind yeah. of stayed together throughout their whole careers. Correct. Yeah. Did you experience that? Yes, band of brothers. Did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But we were all, you know. 20, 21 year olds working on computers yeah. uh, and there was a buzz about it and right. we worked together, we socialized together and we, we all enjoyed it. And, and indeed, Bob, I would say to you that those three companies were a great breeding ground for entrepreneurs to go out. Mm. I would know many people from digital who set out in their own path and successfully had careers in the IT industry. True, so yeah, yeah good yeah. breeding ground. So, I think so a few spring to mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Wang. Wang, yeah. And I, I had done I, I had done dozens of interviews um, with other computer companies, and they all said the same thing to me. We can't give you a job because you don't have any experience. Right. So I was so fed up with this by the time I got to my interview in Wang, I almost told the interviewer the way the questions were going to go right. and the reason he wasn't going to offer me a job. So what I said to him, I said, before we go through all the questions, I've done the aptitude test, which I passed. But before I go through all the questions, I'm going to save you the bother. I don't have the experience, so you're probably not going to give me a job. Okay. So I'll offer to you that I'll work for free for six months right. just to have the experience. Okay. If I do a good job and there's a, if I do a good job and there's a full time job at the end of it, happy days. But if you don't want me, I'll move on. Right. But at least when I go to my next interview, I'll have that critical six months work experience. And did they take you on? They did. Yeah. Right. I don't think okay. he even interviewed me. He said we can okay. afford that. Come on. Okay. You can start tomorrow. And did you work for free for six months? I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, about. To be fair to him, I think it was about four months. Was that 1985, 86, sort of? That would have been, yeah, around that time. Okay. 85, 86, 87. I stayed there about three years, and then I moved to another company to get sales experience in 1988. So, Bob, uh, you made the hard choice to offer your work and time for free to Wang. Have you ever been able to reciprocate that to an applicant? You can kind of see when you're working in, I, I, I suspect it might be the same for every industry, but certainly I'll, I'll talk for the IT industry for a moment. You can meet people who you know are just passionate about the business and they're going to be naturally good IT people, but they mightn't have any qualifications. And actually one chap springs to mind. He was he was a disaster at passing exams, God help him. Okay. He just got stressed by exams. Right. Um, I can sympathize with him, Bob, having taken 10 years to qualify myself, but I was just <laughs> distracted by yeah. different things. Well, I don't need to put, yeah, well, this this man anyway, uh, yeah, he, he used to get very stressed whenever there was an exam, but by God, was he one of the best engineers I ever came across. Right. He was right. just phenomenal. Okay. Um, and from time to time, people come to me and say, you know, he, he's not a suitable candidate. Cert- he's not a certified systems not engineer. Certified. Okay. Um, or even one of the big manufacturers might say, no, we, we can't have him as part of the team. He's not qualified. Right. right. And I just, well, he's, and nor is he going to qualify, but okay. I guarantee you he'll be one of your best engineers. Very good. Yeah. So um, 
the IT industry can be tough like that. Um, and we worked very closely for a few years with um, one of the lecturers in uh, the Kevin Street Institute of Technology. Okay. Um, and every year we take in two or three of our students, um, not not so much to help us in the business, but more to help them find the path that was right for them. Right. So I don't mind saying this because one of the other students in Kevin Street, whom we didn't take on, I met him at a fair and he said to me, everybody in the class hopes they get the Hibernia or the Everos assignment. Okay. Because what we used to do is we'd take a chap in and say, what are you interested in? Right. What aspect of technology floats your boat, for okay. want of a better word? Okay. And they might say security, or they right. might say networking, or they might say app design or system integration, or just plain old nuts and bolts. Sure. And that's where we put them. Right. Whatever they were passionate about. Mm. And it was quite okay for them to come back to us and say, actually, I'm after spending two or three months now on networking, and I'm not that impressed with it. Yes. Uh, I'd like yeah. to try my hand at working as a SQL database developer. Okay. So, okay, we'll shift you over there. Very good. And at least then when they were emerging out of college, they'd either spent a certain amount of very pertinent work experience working on something they really enjoyed. Very good. Or equally good, um, recognizing that that thing they were passionate about, mm. that they aren't that passionate about sure. after all. Sure. Very good. So, yeah, we, 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 we would have tried to give back over the years. Very good. Excellent. Um, Bob, 85, 86, remembering my own job at that time, computers weren't to the fore. I mean, this was still early stage of technology in Ireland and Irish business and industry. Wang were very strong in office automation um, and they built uh, huge computer systems that provided word processing to users at the desktop. They got rid of the typewriter right. and they did it really well. Okay, but. There were a lot of engineers working for Wang at the time, and they loved working in the big mainframe or mini mainframe type computers. Okay. But Wang had developed their own PC, which none of the more experienced engineers wanted to look at. Okay. They poo pooed them right. effectively. Right. So I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to have a job in the computer industry, why don't I work on something that nobody else is interested in looking at? Right. And gradually, these PCs started proliferating in the marketplace. Okay. And the older engineers have come to me whenever there was a problem with a PC in one of their customer sites. Right. So it, it kind of works. So you're, you're hands-on on the technical side. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, I wasn't qualified as an engineer, but I was classed as an IT engineer. Okay. From yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. So yeah. from Wang, how long did you stay there? I stayed in Wang for about, uh, about three, three to four years. Okay. Uh, and... Did you then move on to another job and employment or did you then set up Hibernia? No, I I, I, I actually really got to like the PC and I, I kind of saw that this is something new now and it's going to bring take about off. a bit of change okay. and might, might just take off. I think right. when I was leaving Wang, um, the PC actually had just gotten a color screen <laughs> and Windows version one had been released. Up to that, it was Microsoft DOS, but Windows version one had just been released purely to run PageMaker, a desktop publishing right. application. Right, okay. And I looked at this and I said, yeah. this is going to go somewhere. Right. Uh, was PageMaker the predecessor of uh, Word or was PageMaker? 
PageMaker disappeared. It, it, it's probably more closely aligned now to the likes of uh, Adobe InDesign okay. or Adobe Illustrator. Right. Um, or, yeah, there's a few other yeah. big publishing type yeah. applications. My memory fails me, but I, I've certainly heard yeah. the name. Okay. You know the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, PageMaker. And uh, I, real, I, I, I kind of had the idea to back my mind. I, I, let me go back a bit. I noticed in Wang that there were all these 20-year-old engineers who would work 24 hours a day right. if they were given the opportunity right. uh, for very little money, mm. must be said. But at the same time, I noticed there were other people working there who were probably in their late 30s or early 40s. Mm. Um, they didn't understand the technology as well as the engineers. Um, they couldn't keep up. They were expensive. They had families. They had mortgages. They had car leases uh, and they were getting let go right uh, and i felt at that stage if i'm still working for a computer company when i'm in my early 40s mm. and i get let go yes i'm going to have a hard time getting sure. a job again so right. i felt at that stage that i'd like to be the person employing people right rather than at the mercy of somebody who yeah. might decide that i'm a an it industry dinosaur and need right. to be moved on a, a bold statement and aspiration when you're Late twenties, early twenties, early twenties. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So, I knew, I knew I could fix computers at that stage, mm -hmm. uh, and I had to learn how to sell them. Right. So I moved to a company specialising in making third-party peripherals for Wang systems. Right. And I spent about two years with them. Who was that, uh, Bob? They were called um, PCL. PCL, okay. Yeah, yeah. they were out in Clondalkin. Sure. And they had a great product, but. Right. Um, the writing was on the wall for Wang right. at the time, so uh, s consequently, the writing was also on the wall for PCL. Right. You okay. know. Yeah. Uh, Again, two history names there gone. Uh, gone. But yet yeah. they were the bedrock of Irish IT sector back yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, although they're not gone, my last assignment with Wang was an on-site engineer for AIB. Okay. Okay. And I was based in Bank Center in Ballsbridge, opposite the RDS. Right. And at the time, it was it was a huge organization sure. in, in the Irish marketplace. But mm. I drove past that site the other day, mm. um, which is obviously being rebuilt, and Facebook are moving in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a name that didn't exist 15 or 20 years ago. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. now they're moving into AIB's old headquarters. Sure. So sure. names change in the IT industry pretty Absolutely. quickly Absolutely. and fairly regularly. Mm. So from PCL was your next? I spent a couple of years with PCL right. um, and I saw the writing on the wall for them. So I decided that was the time to make my move. And in okay. 1990, it would have been 1990, I moved from PCL and I set up Hibernia Services Limited. And was that on your own, Bob, or had you a, a person you'd met at the time that was to become your partner? Or uh, No, I, I did it on my own. I had right. met a chap that was interested in doing it with me, but okay. he had um, he had a wife and children and a mortgage and all okay. those things, and he needed stability. Right. Um, so he took a job with another organization, okay. and I set up Hibernia on my own. So very good. I was, I, was, I was lucky that I was still living at home. Right. So my overheads are quite low. Very good. Yeah. And where was your first office? My first uh, operating uh, desk was in Anger Street in okay. the office complex called Whitefriars. Right, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I was on the top floor of Anger Street with a desk and a phone. 
Very good. Didn't even have a mobile phone back Not in those days. No, they no, didn't exist. It doesn't exist. No. My yeah. first mobile phone was a Superquin one for £99 plus 50 vouchers you could collect for your <laughs> shopping. Yeah. 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 You could you could rent them, but you couldn't have them. Right. Yeah. So, no, a, a desk phone and a desk and right. a PC. Right. And that was Bob Murray on his own, no employees, off you go. Off you go. Okay. Uh, or my first office really was my car. But, uh, right. Yeah. You know, in in real terms, my first office in Andrew Street. Very good. So, Hibernia has it was forty years uh, of Hibernia, mm. uh, ups and downs, fantastic. Uh, at at the end, Bob, how many people had you employed in Hibernia? And maybe tell us about the the a brief history of the journey of Hibernia. Uh, um. Okay. We were, we were it was a slightly different business proposition because a lot of the other computer companies were trying to sell computers whereas what i was trying to do is help organizations adapt adopt computers nice. and keep those computers operational and functional and providing a return on investments to the organizations nice. so in hindsight i kind of came at it from a service perspective okay um and from the outset, there was a service ethos within the organization, whereas most other computer suppliers didn't really get what service was about uh, and just wanted to shift boxes. Right. Um, in fact, it wasn't really my intention to get into the, the, the supply game, but um, I was working on a contract for one of my bigger clients at the time, um, and I had gotten two or three commitments as to when equipment was due to be delivered. Nice. Uh, but I was let down on okay. two or three occasions right. and the IT manager took me aside and said look we love the service you're providing hmm. why don't you supply the equipment as well because then at least you can be here at the right time right very good and, yeah. and that's how it started okay you know okay. Yeah. but even even at the end uh, Evros was what was the mixed services product I mean because Box shifting now, hardware has become so cheap, margins mm. are so tight. Mm. Mm. Uh, would that have been 50% or 30% because service is where it is or is it? Yeah, well, we, we never lost the service ethos. Uh, box shifting, um, the customers, the customer base grew and the size of the customers grew as well. And our offering grew. Right. Um, so box shifting continued to be critical from a revenue perspective. Okay. Um, but we never lost that service ethos and that was always our primary driver right uh, we we i think somehow it was in the dna of the company okay um and i even see it in other organizations now not e not just in the it industry but even in hospitality you have to get service to be able to do it absolutely uh, if, if you don't get it you can't you can't pay it lip service right and people 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 see you know the difference between an organization that provides it well yeah and those yeah. who just try to do it sure you know and bob you obviously couldn't do this all on your own so at some stage or or, or at what stage did you strengthen the team and, and were there key people brought in um yeah i i in the early days my focus was only on recruiting technical people right because that's that was our offering okay. um so we, I hired good engineers uh, with good reputations, but then I find I found that I was being pushed into a, an office function. Uh, I didn't have any experience, but I had to become a an accountant type person, a marketing type person, 
um, HR. sometimes receptions. HR right. wasn't quite so critical in those days okay. that, that, that it is today. Um, but it had to be able to address all the requirements of growing business. Okay. And there were no, it's lovely today to see uh, organizations uh, such as, you know, take Dogpatch Labs, for example, mm. where they'll incubate a business right. and, and, and uh, help the founders address all those kind of peripheral issues. Sure that need to be addressed to get a get an organization up and going. But yet allow the founders concentrate on what they're best oh, what at they're and, at. and yeah. build into business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I found over time, then you have to make a conscious decision. Well, am I going to be the person helping run the business or running the business? Or am I going to be the person out servicing the computers to sure. keep them operational? Yeah. And unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, in some regards, I, I enjoyed providing the service, right? Uh, helping the customer, meeting the customer, mm. but uh, I had to focus on keeping the train on the tracks. Very good, good. Mm. So you so. brought a few key people in. That how many years ago would that have been, or, or when? Did, when did you first realize that Bob uh, Murray can not do all this himself? Well, um, you were. You were very instrumental, Colin. I was lucky to meet you uh, when the company was very embryonic. Um, and I used to keep a cap on the number of people at about 20. Right. Because I felt that if I was going to go over 20 people, mm. we might lose our focus. We, right. Our focus might move towards trying to find customers to pay the wages. Right. Um, it's a big eye opener when you recruit your first employee and you realize yes. that this employee has to earn a salary before I do. Correct. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and, and that happens maybe for, you know, certainly quite a few employees. Yeah. They all have to get paid before you Absolutely. get anything. Um, I found, Bob, and I think you're alluding to it, that you have a responsibility now. Like, and your responsibility is to that employee correct. Uh, before yourself. They've put their trust in you, correct. so you have, to, yeah. you have to bring them along. Sure. Um, and we were, we were lucky. There was a demand for what we were providing, but right. I see... I've seen companies over the years that um, they might set up and they might take on a couple of employees and they're only running like a hamster in a hamster wheel, right. just making ends meet yeah. and not yeah. making any profit sure. at the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's got to be soul destroying. Remind me, Bob, how did we first meet? How did we meet? That's that's a, that's a, that's a, yeah. 96 yeah. or 97? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's a, There's a story behind that, Colin. I don't know if yeah. you know it all, actually. Okay. Maybe you do, or you, maybe you've forgotten. Um, I said to you earlier on that I had to stop fixing computers and learn to be um, a HR person or a marketing person or a finance person. Um, when you do something like that, you always assume that, you know, Let's take finance, for example. You always assume that an accountant is better at accounts than yourself. You doubt yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. if I bring in an accountant, they obviously know more about finance than I do. Well, in about 1994, 95, um, I brought in an accountant just to look through everything. Right. Um, and he went into a room in the office and he dragged in all the binders, all the books. Um, I think it was about autumn time frame, September time frame. And he came back out and he was straight faced. He said to me, I've only one piece of advice for you. I said, what? He mm. said, shut it down. Wow. Shut down the business. Right. right. And I couldn't believe it. Okay. I said, what? Yeah. He yeah. said, 
you can either shut it down now mm. and you'll have some money to to do what needs to be done during a shutdown process right. or you can wait till christmas and you'll be going out of business anyway and it'll be a lot more painful for you good god i was gobsmacked right. so i called a man in our our auditors are in limerick uh, actually it's on public record it's bdo, BDO limerick okay. for historical reasons right and the head of audit down there at the time was a, a chap uh dennis hanley was his name that's right that's do you remember right. dennis i do yeah great yeah. character absolutely yeah great 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 character um and i rang bdo and dennis came on the phone and uh he, he was he Dennis could be very gruff okay okay and he said what's this I hear you know I said Jesus Dennis does the captain in here and he says we're going out of business he said he said right collection hotel one hour 30 minutes right. I'll be there right. I want to meet you so I hopped in the car and I drove down that's at the hotel in Port Leash that's right yeah. yeah I drove down to Port Leash and uh um, Dennis was there ahead of me with one of his colleagues and they had the ballroom completely booked right. with one long table in the middle covered okay. in green bays and a light hanging over. So it was right. like walking into a, an interrogation. Okay. And uh, I walked in and I sat down in front of Dennis and he looked at me and he said, are you or are you not going out of business? Okay. And I said, well, I'm not a finance person, but I didn't think so. But right. the accountant says we are. Yes. And I won't give you all the expletives no. he threw at me, but sure. he said, um, he says, uh, what's your gut instinct? Okay. That's all I want. I don't right. care whether you're qualified or not. What's your instinct? Right. And I said, my instinct is we're not. Right. And he said, right, I'll have somebody in your office tomorrow. Okay. And he knew you. Very good. And that's you came it. in. That's and we, it. We haven't looked back. Yeah, I would have done some work with BDO Dublin at the time. That's how mm. exactly how it came to be. Okay. Yeah. What was that? 95, 95 96? 96, yeah. 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 So I would have yeah. set out my own in 95. So yeah, okay. maybe 96. So yeah. thank you very much, Bob, that's, for that work at the time. That's, that's how we met. Fat, very and we haven't looked back. Not at all. Not at all. So over the, over the years then, was there, did you ever confide in anyone or was there anyone that you ever uh, went to uh, for advice or a mentor or was there anyone that you admired in the industry that you said, I want to be like them uh, or was it, no, just driven yourself? I, I, it's a good question. I think I was very much self-driven. Uh, I learned a great lesson from uh, Dr. Wang. He was the man behind Wang Computers. I think he was a Chinese immigrant okay. who came to America and set up the computer company. Right. He wrote in his autobiography at the end of his life, he said, uh, I, I don't consider myself to be particularly brilliant or particularly clever. I just seem to have gotten by for longer than most people without shooting myself in the foot. <laughs> okay. And that was a great simple lesson. Simple philosophy. Simple ah, philosophy. Well, yeah, yeah. some of the best things in life are simple. Yeah. And and after that, um, you know, we, we grew the business very much based on what our customers required right. with, yeah. with that service ethos mm. and the customer who came to me and said, why don't you supply the sure. equipment as well? Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, the PC was making huge inroads into mm. um, customer sites effectively. Right. Gradually, the mini mainframes were starting to be moved out and the PC was taking more and more. Mm. So then there were issues like networking and right. security. Uh, so we were working with the customer to experience where their next wall of pain was coming from. Okay. 
And could we, when we're recruiting our next engineer, make sure that they had skills in those areas? Right. So that rather than just sit with the customer and say, we're only going to look after your PCs, yeah. we were working with them saying, we will keep your PC fleet operational right. and we will keep it re providing return investment. Um, and whatever needs to go along with that, we work with you to try and make sure we have the skills to, to hit whatever demands are going to come across your desk. Really interesting to hear your, your comments, Bob. The customer and service are key things you're saying there. Mm -hmm. And indeed, you reacted to what they needed and provided them with that mm -hmm. uh, rather than trying to sell them or provide them something that you wanted to sell. I, I saw it in Wang for a long time. Uh, Wang were very good at office automation. And I saw salespeople trying to sell huge computer systems that didn't really fit the customer requirements. Right. But once the deal was done, then the engineer was sent in to try and pick up the pieces and make that computer system fit right. uh, what the customer needed to do. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a painful process. Sure. But as I, when we did get to the point where we were hiring salespeople, I used mm. to try and say to them, you don't have to be a salesperson in the traditional sense. You're not selling the customer anything they don't want or right. need. Um, you just need to be there for them when they pick up the phone to call you. Yeah. And if yeah. you can do that and keep looking after the customer, yeah. the customer will look after you. Yeah, and keep yeah. coming back to you. They, they do. Now, keep don't get me wrong, Colin. They're, yeah. they're, they're, I'm sure you see this in your business. Mm. There, will, there will be clients who will see you as an asset to their organization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful working relationship. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then there are clients who will see you as a supplier correct to be beaten and kicked yeah. and taken advantage of at every sure. opportunity you're squeezed yes yeah and regardless of whether you don't win or you do win the business mm. the relationship doesn't work as well sure. and everybody sure. suffers yeah um yeah. so we focus on working with customers that appreciate what we did and we very work good. really hard for them so so it's a it's it's a relationship is a key it's thing it's very much well. relationship yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. two-way street yeah. very good yeah so jerry I ask you uh your first customer, are they still around? Are they still a customer? Or even the, in the first 10? Uh, personally, I still have uh, the very first client, he's still a client, 14, sorry, 28 years on, like, you know. Yeah, uh, they are, they're they still are. a client. Okay. And you know what, they were a company I met when I worked for Wang, so I always like, actually they were the very last email I sent uh, when I signed off from, okay. Uh, Hibernia or Everest as it was at the time. Um, I met them when I was a junior engineer in Wang in 1984. Right. Um, and when we did the deal with Air in 2001, mm. just before I signed off the systems, I sent them an email saying... 2021. Or sorry, 2021. That's okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just thanking them for all their, their uh, assistance over and right. support over yeah. the years. Yeah, um, it's very good. Lovely organization. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's lovely to have loyalty mm. there. Loyalty is very important to me, and I think that's... It's, it's great to see. It's important in business, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and um, uh, yeah, I, I was looking at a, a, a LinkedIn post yesterday. The other thing that's important is trust. Mm. Um, and one of the people I've, I, I'm connected on LinkedIn broke down the elements of trust, nice. you know, how you trust people in different ways and, you know, uh, the, the different aspects of trust. Mm. Um, and I replied to him and said, in today, today it's very challenging sure. uh, because we're going a, a wee bit off topic, but people, um, people are fed false information mm. and they're, they're, they're not given the facts. Yes. Yeah. 
And it it's almost gets to the point where people are starting to not trust their own decisions. Right. right. And I, yeah. I, that's got to be very challenging. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So it's endemic on, on the individual yeah. to try and educate them themselves as much as possible right. uh, in, in various aspects of what they're looking at. Right. But uh, there's a lot of work involved in that. If you, if you follow one line of thought, you're, you're, you're going to disconnect from the other right. bunch of people out there. So sitting here about 40 years on, the ups and the downs and building uh, Ibernia Everest of what it became, uh, was funding ever an issue? Uh, or did you take in equity or were you ever approached by VCs or, or was that ever on the horizon? Well, in, in, the, in the early days, um, we, were, we were lucky that we always operated in the black. Okay. Um, I do have a couple of letters. I, I, I'm not sure whether I should say this or not, but uh, I, you, you know them. I have a couple of letters in my desk because in 1990, although I was operating in the black, I went to the bank and I said I'd like an overdraft facility. Right. Uh, um, just so as I wouldn't mistime a lodgement against a check. Sure. I didn't want to bounce a check. And, and back in the day, Bob, Checks took seven days to clear. No, it was, it was yeah, it was, yeah. it was tricky. Absolutely. There was yeah. no online yeah. banking or anything like Not that. At all. Um, so the bank manager I met, he, he put me through the ringer. Right. Um, and eventually he said, we'll put in an application for 500 mm. punts, it was at the time. Right. Um, and I said, well, look, I have a lodgement. Would you take the lodgement and lodge it? Because I think I've written a check that's going right. to go below the zero line. Okay. And I wouldn't like to bounce it. Yeah. Uh, a few days later, I got two check, two letters through the door. The first letter I opened it and said, your request for overdraft facilities has been declined. Oh, and the no. second letter I opened it and said, your check has been referred to drawer. Not good. Not great. But it was, no. an, it was an eye opener at the time that right. I, I needed to depend on my own resources. Okay. Um, and, and not be in that position under uh, under different circumstances. Right. Um, so we're, we were fortunate that for a long time, long, long time, the company operated in the black. Very good. Yeah. So, so you never took in private equity or, or never? Never took in private equity. Towards the, in the latter years of the business, we uh, had an invoice discounting facility Fine. when we were on a, an M&A type uh, trail. Right, right. Yeah. right. Very good. So Everos was 30 years old mm. as you exited. What's been the biggest lessons you've learned from developing the company? The thing that keeps coming back to me, Colin, we, we, we can talk about learning lessons about technology and all that, but yeah. that's, that's somewhat crass. But the thing that comes back to me time and time again is the uh, people, right. the importance of people right. and working with people. Um, now, we talked about the first employee that you almost become there, you're responsible for them. Sure. But having been there 20 or 30 years, mm. you know, we used to get in young people that might have been 19 or 20 or 21 and I used to feel we were almost extensions of their parents. That they were starting out in their career, and we yeah, had to yeah. help to nurture that, or, or even, you know, uh, decide. We'd one chap at one stage. We felt he'd made a wrong career move, and the IT industry wasn't for him. Right. Yeah. So uh, we worked with him. Right. Uh, he it turned out he wants to be a teacher. Okay. His dad was a teacher, okay. and uh, we worked with him, and we helped him get back on the path where good. he could go and good. study to be so a teacher. So it may not, may not have been good for Hibernia or Everest, but mm. it was good for that person. It was the right thing for him. Yeah. 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 And uh, life is short. You know, you've got to sure. look out for the people and yeah. Uh, yeah. be careful for the people you meet on the way up the ladder because yeah. you're going to meet them all again Absolutely. on the way back down. And look, I see in, in our industry, 
a person who has a passion and an aptitude for figures. The qualifications don't matter. Mm. Uh, mm. They do to some degree. They mm. must have some technical knowledge. But essentially, if if that's your calling, you'll be 10 times better than the person who it's not their calling. Absolutely, you know? yeah. yeah. I think the qualifications, um, they give you a level of credibility. They get you in the door. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. if you can't do the job or if the job is not for you, you're going to kill yourself trying yeah. to do it. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't work for anyone. So, Bob, uh, I'm sure you don't have to work again, but you're relatively young by today's Thank standards. <laughs> uh, what's next for Bob Murray? Are you going to pastures and play golf? No, I'm not going to play golf, Colin. Um, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll work on something. Um, I, I, I went back to college. Uh, I went back to the IMI in right. the last few years and I wanted to study to do an MBA. Um, one of the diplomas I did was in executive coaching. Okay. Um, and executive coaching, I had a bit of a m misunderstanding of what it was about when I went into the course. Right. Um, but it's about working with people to bring out the best in them. Right. Um, now, you could say to me, but Bob, you can't coach me on finance because I know far more about finance than you'll ever know. Um, but you'd be wrong because I, I can. Sorry, I'd actually question that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can because yeah. the chances are that the question on your mind, you yeah. already have the answer to it. Mm. And my responsibility is to help you arrive at the answer you already have by getting rid of all the doubts or the the the, the things that are in the way of it emerging. Mm. Uh, and that's what an executive coach will do. So they'll, they'll work with you to try and bring out the, the best. best of your capabilities. Right. So has that become a commercial entity for you yet or is it just uh, currently you're researching and waiting to see because i'd love to sign up for the coaching program <laughs> if it's available it's funny column um uh, i'm quite i'm quite passionate about it and bringing out the best in people right um it's a bit like my hobby is photography when i get a chance to do it okay and people said to me over the years why don't you go professional right. and start doing weddings and stuff like that and I, I've always had the same answer. I said, if I charge people for it, I won't enjoy it as much. And the coaching is similar. Um, I, I want to do it for people who can't afford to pay for it. Okay. I want to help those people. Very good. Um, I don't want to help the senior execs. Well, I, I'm happy to help the senior execs, but I don't want to earn anything out of it. Yeah. I want to find a way of helping the people who can't afford it. Very good. And again, personally, Bob, in my game, I really get a kick out of meeting a 20 to 25 year old person who is a real passion, good idea, mm. uh, very naive in business, brilliant mm. at what they do. Mm. And I'd like to think that we help and support and nurture them along the way uh, to become successful in their business. And I really enjoy that as well. The, the money is secondary. Mm. I think to, to see a person develop and succeed has mm. been great. So. Perhaps we're on the one, one path there. Well, I, I, I think, Colin, that's why we've known each other for so long. Because, yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, before I came out here this morning, I, I was thinking about it. And people would say, why do you why do you deal with Colin Whelan and Guardian Management? Yeah. And I, I, I'd say the same thing I said to a bank manager years ago. I will give you my business if I think you're as interested in my business as I am. Very good. That you're yeah. not here for your business only. Yeah. Yeah. I respect the fact that you have to be here to some degree for yes. your business. That's yeah. life. Yeah. Every man in the process needs to make a living. Sure. But if I reach a point where I feel you're here, only here for your business right. and not for mine, well, yeah. then our relationship will fall apart. Correct. Yeah. 
and you came in with that many, many years ago. Right. You, you, and I can still pick up the phone to you, call them and say, hey, listen, I'm having a problem with such and sure. such. Yeah. And you'll do what you can to find yeah. a solution. Even if it's only to buy a new car, Bob. <laughs> what should I buy? Yeah. <laughs> so photography, is, is that taking up a lot of your time or is it not enough time for you? Uh, it's not taking as, up as much time as I would like it to take up, Colm. Um, uh, I do take the camera out now and again, but I just need to take it out more. Right. right. Very good. Um. Uh, you're not going to part this world by any means in the next couple of years, please God. But if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be so far? Oh, my. I'd like to think that the bulk of the people that I came across as I went about my business and my career might look back and say, yeah, that was a good the experience. dealings I had yeah. uh, were largely positive. Very good. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, if there's anybody listening or watching this, they're probably going to be ringing me up saying, hang on. Yeah. My experience wasn't so positive. Can we revisit sure, it? Sure, <laughs> sure. But overall, I, I would agree with you, Bob, from yeah. knowing a number of people who have worked with you over the years. Yeah. And going back to that, is there anybody still with Evros who was there on day one or the first year or two years? Um. I can think of I can think of three people who are still there that would have been with me over twenty years. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, you know we can talk about loyalty sure. and uh, um, loyalty should be rewarded. Very good. Um, and certainly one chap individual who's um, gosh, he's been with the company twenty five years. Or so. Right. Uh, and, and a really key part of the business as well from. Um, being so well regarded by his colleagues right. and just being very loyal to the organization and uh, when, being there when the chips are down. Right. And he, and I'm happy still to there. say he's still there. Great. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of the finances, but mm. you successfully completed the sale in, in uh, late 21, early 22. Mm. Uh, and that was a, a nice exit for a number of people. Were you able to uh, look after a number of those key staff, or what was the thoughts among the shareholders at that point? No, it was it was very important to us that uh, people were looked after right. when we left. Good. Um, you know what? Uh, no organization exists without without all the people. Sure. You can put the best management team in the world in place, yeah. and uh, if the people are not there, the management team is of no of no use whatsoever. Right. Um, I'd like to think that. Uh, the, the employees are well looked after. Good, good to hear. So, good to hear. Fingers crossed. So they're all happy. Sitting here now and looking back, uh, which I think is scary myself often. Mm. But if you were looking at your eighteen-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself now? Um, trust the process. Go with the flow. Right. I I I, I had an interesting conversation with a chap. Uh, who was roughly a, a, that age uh, only a few years ago. Um, I think it was in the office, actually. And I said, uh, we're all dealt a certain amount of opportunities, but only some of us are going to reach out and grab onto them. Okay. Uh, the opportunities will come your way. Mm. Um, you know, don't let them all go by. Right. Trust the process and trust yourself as sure. well. I think that requires a huge leap of faith, though, Bob, mm. uh, in that you mentioned an employee earlier on there 
uh, or a colleague who was married with a mortgage and kids and they had financial commitments. And it can be difficult to mm. make the leap of faith that I can succeed. Personally, I needed £3,000 per month to pay the bills. Mm. I had 3000 of savings, 3000 of redundancy, 3000 of, of my first job coming in. I said, I have three months runway here. Mm. And mm. Uh, I made the jump, but yeah. never looked back. But it's making the leap of faith. Make, making the leap. But um, you know what? For the first 10 years, I didn't get a holiday. Okay. Uh, and and it's hard work. Okay. Um, so if you're going to make that leap, make sure you're leaping towards something that you're going to enjoy doing. Sure. Because you're going to do it for an M- awful Maybe I shouldn't have taken the holidays so in the first couple of years. <laughs> maybe I look at you, Colm. You look like you're half my age. Uh, ah, sure. That's it. Mm. Well, look, Bob Murray, thank you very much. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Lovely to meet you, Colm, as too. ever. Cheers. Thank you. If you want to learn a little more about garden, you can go to gardenaccountants.ie where you'll learn about everything that we can do. If you're enjoying the Garden Irish Business Podcast, please do share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe, like and review wherever you are listening. Thanks for listening. Until next time.